Good morning, everyone. You know, I'm uh, really grateful to be here uh, today. As Tim mentioned, my name is Charles Blatchford. I'm the Vice President uh, for Development and Strategic Initiatives at the seminary. So uh, I've had the uh, honor and the privilege to work with Tim uh, there. He's one of our esteemed board members at Missio Seminary. So I was very grateful and very honored when um, he gave me the inv invitation to speak today. Uh, you see, uh, Dr. Haas, as uh, we call uh, Pastor Haas, uh, is somewhat of a legend at the seminary. Because there at Missio, we focus on missional theology. What missional theology is, is theology is the study of God. So uh, we focus on the study of God and the study of Scripture through the lens of God's mission, through the lens of the Great Commission. And, and you know, uh, many of you are familiar with that text, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And he also, Christ says, and I will be with you to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. And, um, you know, at the seminary, we recognize that the Great Commission is for all of us. The Great Commission just isn't for pastors or ministry leaders. It's for all of us. When we become Christians, God's mission becomes our mission. And Dr. Haas is probably, possibly, one of the most missional people in the entire world. And I'm not joking. Seriously, he really is. Um, when you think about it, not many people would be in the hospital awaiting a new heart and focus on starting a Bible study, right? Secondly, not many people would... Um, establish a church in the same building where they have their primary business. When you look at those two things and, and you look across all the people in the world, that list could possibly be one person, uh, Dr. Tim Haas, uh, Pastor Timothy Haas. And so you guys have a great leader here uh, to learn about missional theology and missional living. So I'm really honored to be here. And um, when he mentioned that you're in the middle of a sermon, sermon series that says, growing in God's grace, based on 2 Peter 3.18, I was even more excited. Uh, so my message for today, and uh, uh, the PowerPoint is up there, my message for today is titled, Growing in God's Grace by Sharing God's Grace. Not giving God's grace. We can't give God's grace. We can only share it. Only God can give his grace. And that is the grace of God. When I say sharing God's grace, that is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled to him. We could be redeemed in him when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's God's grace right there. So today, we're going to take a look at the story of Zacchaeus found in chapter 19 verses 1 through 10, the scripture verses we just read, to learn about God's grace. We're going to learn about God's grace, and we're going to learn from Jesus some very effective principles to share God's grace with others. 
So we're going to see God's grace and we're going to learn how to share that with others. And I know for a fact that some of these principles, actually all of these principles, are used by Dr. Haas um, when, when he evangelizes and witnesses to others. And you know, personally, these principles have an additional meaning to me, have additional impact for me, because I came to Christ when a former colleague used these principles and shared Christ with me when I was 21 years old and working in business. I was working in sales. And you know, um, my friend, uh, Rich, he was one of the best salesmen in the entire country for the company I was working for. And he took the time to share these principles with me and help lead me to Christ. And the four principles that we're going to see in Scripture are, first, we should be people that are known for our good works. Second, we should seek people who do not know Jesus. Third, is we should share our time with them. And fourth, is we should be intentional about sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. We should be intentional about sharing who Christ is. But before we get into into the scripture, um, let me provide a little context to what's happening here in the Bible. You see, Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in Jericho, which was a very wealthy city. So he had one of the most prominent positions in a very wealthy city. And uh, Jericho was so wealthy because it had a very a booming balsam industry. Balsam is a plant, and it was um, used, very regularly used in that day and age uh, for an ingredient in fragrances and medicine. And some scholars believe that balsam only grew in Jericho or around Jericho in abundance. So it was, Jericho was one of the, the few areas, if not the only area, you can actually find balsam. Jericho was also known as an oasis city because of the climate. It was known as an oasis city. And actually, Herod the Great had his winter palace in Jericho. Herod the Great, from around Jesus' time, had his winter palace in Jericho. So the city had tremendous wealth and had tremendous political influence. And what would happen on the road going into Jericho, people who were sick and poor used to line the road into Jericho, and they used to beg from the wealthy people and the politicians. And so that's kind of set the stage for uh, Luke chapter 19. But before even we get into Luke chapter 19, I want to highlight a couple things that happened in Luke chapter 18. Uh, You know, in in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18, there's an encounter Jesus has with a rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler walks away from his encounter with Jesus sad. He's upset because Jesus called him to sell everything and follow him. And at the end of that interaction... Uh, Jesus says it's easier uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So then Peter says, that's impossible. That's, that's impossible. And Jesus replied, all things are possible with God. I just want to tell you, it's probably not a coincidence that in Luke, he arranges the interaction with the rich young ruler 
before this interaction with Zacchaeus, right? Because Zacchaeus is extremely wealthy, and Jesus saves him, right? Jesus saves Zacchaeus. So God wants us to know that salvation is available to all. People who are wealthy can come to Christ. People who are in poverty can come to Christ. But there's a huge difference. We're going to see a huge difference in Zacchaeus and this rich young ruler. The second thing I want to highlight in chapter 18 is in verse 35. It starts in verse 35. When Jesus is walking up, um, up this road to Jericho, when he's walking to the city, you know, as I mentioned before, it was lined with people who were, were poor and sick and they're begging for money. This blind man hears the commotion, right? People are, there's a commotion around Christ. And he asks, he's like, so what's going on? And I said, Jesus is walking by. So he starts crying out. He says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, save me. So Jesus hears him, and he calls him over. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do? And the blind man says, the blind beggar says, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus says to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you whole. The guy was immediately healed, and he follows Jesus, glorifying God. Then people see this, they, they see what's going on, they start praising God and just surrounding Jesus, and this is all on the road going into Jericho. They're not in the city yet. And uh, so Jesus is walking into the city, surrounded by people praising God, and that's where we find the story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, I'm just going to read it again uh, one more time, the whole thing through. I'm going to use the English Standard Version. Then we'll look at it in a little bit more detail and learn um, about Christ and uh, these principles to share Christ with others. It says, uh, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The word of the Lord, the Bible. You see, the main point that God is teaching us through the story of the blind man being healed, being saved, and Zacchaeus getting saved, is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. 
and that we all need Jesus. It doesn't matter if someone is a poor beggar or a wealthiest, the wealthiest person in the entire earth. We all need Jesus. That's the main point of these scriptures. You know, it's simple, but it's a powerful message. It's a very powerful message. But the additional benefit of these scriptures is we can see principles for evangelism, principles that Jesus used, and we could use them in our own life. So right off the bat, verse 1 tells us Jesus was passing through Jericho. Jericho was not Jesus' final destination. He didn't go to Jericho to go to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus was passing through Jericho to go to Jerusalem and be crucified. He was on a mission to save us from our sins. But as we saw in chapter 18, Jesus did not let this big goal of dying on the cross, the most important thing in human history, he didn't let this big goal prevent him from noticing the needs of people around him and engaging people around him. If we think about it, he was on the biggest mission of all time, the biggest job of all time, God sacrificing himself. And the guy, the blind beggar, by the world's standards, is probably as low as you can be. You know, he, he's on the side of the road. He can't see. He's impoverished. But Jesus stopped and he healed him. He didn't ignore the immediate needs of people around him. And this, this action, this thing that Jesus does constantly over and over in the Gospels, this allows Jesus to be known for good work. This makes Jesus known for good work. The blind man was not Christ's main purpose, but he stopped and healed him anyway. Life is very busy. In America, we're very busy. We're, we're probably one of the busiest generations of all time. But nothing was more important than Jesus going to the cross. So Jesus tells us, he gives us the example that we can't neglect the needs around us, the needs of our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, our employees, our customers, our vendors, just people we interact with day to day. We can't neglect those needs. It was important to Jesus. He ministered to people around him, and it should be important to us too. Being known for good works is a very important principle in sharing God's grace, in sharing the gospel with others. See, the blind man would have never called out to Jesus if he wasn't known for good works, if Jesus didn't have a good reputation. Am I right? For us, good works can be a lot of different things. It could be generous, being generous with the blessings that God give, gives us. It could be being compassionate, being graceful and forgiving to others. It could be loving. It could be uh, being kind to others. Good works can be noticing problems in the community and working to fix those problems. It could be standing for justice. 
Um, it could be speaking about the things of God, speaking about right things of God to others. But good work also means that we actually work with excellence because our jobs are ministry. If someone goes to work late, they leave early, they don't strive for excellence in what they do on a day-to-day basis, but people know they're a Christian, do you think that person is glorifying God at work? No, that person is not glorifying God at work. Do you think someone like Zacchaeus, who was powerful and wealthy, will want to see or will want to hear from this person if they're not performing at a high level? Of course not. Do you think Zacchaeus would have climbed in the sycamore tree to see Christ walking by if Jesus wasn't known for good work? Of course not. Of course not. Part of being known for good work is working with excellence at our jobs, our day-to-day life. What some people say is the secular of life. God tells us there is no secular versus sacred. Working with excellence, we have to do that for God. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, working with excellence for the glory of God. That's what God tells us to do. Earlier, I mentioned that one of the key influences in my life and me coming to Christ was a colleague when I was working in sales. His name was Rich Kaiser. He's a good friend to this day. And Rich was one of the top sales guys in our company, one of the top sales guys when we met in 2001. I was 21 years old. I was new to the business. And Rich offered to mentor me. And that's how we became friends. Do you think I would have taken Rich up on his offer for him to mentor me if he was a lousy sales guy? Of course not. I wouldn't want it to be mentored by somebody who is a lousy salesman. That's just a, a bad decision. Rich worked with excellence, and I wanted to be around him. I wanted to learn from him because of that excellence. Look at the Sixers basketball team. Does anyone here watch basketball? That's some folks that watch basketball. When they were going through that period that they called the process, you could get tickets anytime you wanted. That stadium was empty because they were horrible, absolutely horrible. But when they made it to the playoffs last year, they had a great record last year. They did fantastic last year. You couldn't get a ticket for anything. All those games were sold out because they were doing things with excellence. People want to see excellent things. Am I right? Yeah. People want to see good things. And in the first part of verse 5, going back to Scripture, in the first part of verse 5, we see the second principle for sharing God's grace, which is looking for people who don't know Jesus. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Jesus came to the place, and he looked up. It's that simple. 
Jesus looked for Zacchaeus. He stopped and he heard the blind man. He looked for the blind man. If you want to have an impact, if you want people to know the majesty and the greatness of God, if you want to share who God is and you want to share his grace with others, the grace he has given you, you have to look for people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because every day, every day, we encounter people who don't know Christ. We have to strive to open our eyes and see them, see the blind man on the side of the road. We need to look around and see the wealthy person who wants to, to, to see Jesus, who's looking at us like Zacchaeus looked at Jesus. We need to recognize these people. The second principle that Jesus shows us is we need to seek people that don't know him. Jesus shows us that there are a lot of opportunities to further his kingdom. They're all around us. We just have to look for it. You know, after I was working with my friend Rich for a little while, he asked me, he said, Charles, are you a Christian? You know, he didn't ask me in a rude way. He didn't ask me in a confrontational way, in an abrasive way. He asked me in a casual way, as a friend, someone who, um, you know, we, we see each other on a regular basis. Maybe your workplace or your work relationships or the people around you don't allow you to ask that same question in the same way. But it could still be asked. There are still ways that we can find out if people our followers in Jesus. You know, we could ask somebody, hey, what'd you do on Sunday? You know? Then, when they ask us what we did on Sunday, we could say we're at church. We could ask people, hey, what books are you reading? When they ask us, we could talk about the Bible. Shoot, just spending 15 minutes with people often gives us the glimpse we need to understand or to know whether they're a Christian or not. But the question is, the question for us, the question for Christians is we have to ask ourselves, if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in God's mission and God's grace, how can we look for people to share Christ with? How can we do that? Where in our life can we do that? And as we move on in verse 5, we discover the third principle in sharing God's grace, which is to share our time with people. Verse 5 says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus, God himself, stopped and shared his time with Zacchaeus the chief tax collector, one of the people who was probably one of the most despised people in Jericho by the majority, right? Because tax collectors were known as traitors. If you were a Jew and you're a tax collector, you were a traitor because you worked for the Romans. So he was a traitor to the Jews. He was from the line of Abraham, as we saw in Scripture. He was a traitor. And tax collectors by other people were known to be crooked, because they didn't, they didn't have a business where they made a product. They didn't, weren't in the balsam industry or anything like that. They made their wealth by skimming off the top. 
So they'd ask for taxes and they'd ask for more and they'd take that. So they were despised. And Jesus looked for Zacchaeus, this despised person, and he spent time with him. The question for us is, if we love Jesus, are we spending time with the people that God is seeking? Are we spending time with the lost, or are we spending our time selfishly? You know, uh, Dr. Haas, Pastor Haas, Mentioned, I'm, I'm very busy, you know, I, I'm married, have three kids, work full time, a business on the side, taking seminary classes, a leader in my church. I know how thin we can be spread. But if we're not spending any time or being purposeful in spending time with the people that God is seeking, our priorities are off. My priorities w- would be off. Yes, yes, my children are some of the people that God entrusted me to share him with, to to be purposeful in those relationships and raise them in the ways of the Lord. But, But if they're the only ones, then I'm not doing what God has called me to do. Jesus shows us we need to spend time with people that don't know him. And verse 6, verse 6 says, Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. You see, when we're known for good works, when we recognize people are in need and searching for God, and we invite them to spend time together, we're going to have good results. It's not always going to be good results. Not every person is going to come to Jesus and worship Jesus, but we're going to have some good results. You know, my friend Rich had good results with me. If you are known for excellence, like my friend was, if you're seeking people, like my friend was, and you're asking people to spend time together, you're going to have some good results. Zacchaeus was happy to receive Jesus, it says. He hurried down and received Christ. You see, Jesus was intentional, and it transformed Zacchaeus. It saved him. And that's the fourth principle. We must be intentional in sharing Christ. Because Jesus did not go to Zacchaeus' house because he wanted to hang out with a wealthy guy. He wanted to hang out with a baller, as a lot of people say. Jesus didn't go to Zacchaeus' house for that. He went there for an intention. He had a purpose in going there, and it was to share his saving grace. In these relationships, we need to be intentional to share Jesus' saving grace with others. And when Jesus did that, Zacchaeus was transformed, and it had a tremendous impact. I'm sure it did. It says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. You see, Zacchaeus was not like the rich young ruler. He chose to follow Jesus over everything. 
Imagine the impact that was felt in Jericho when Zacchaeus came to Christ, when Zacchaeus was transformed, the chief tax collector, a person of great wealth and influence, giving half of what he had to the poor. Jesus gave grace and salvation to Zacchaeus, and he can give grace and salvation and transform people in our lives when we follow his example. And verse 10 says the purpose. It's the purpose. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus primes the pump. He primed the pump for good works. He primed the pump by his good works. He was on the lookout for the lost. He shared his time, and he was intentional. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Throughout our lives, we're going to encounter thousands of people who don't know Jesus. We can invite them to coffee. We can invite them to church. We can invite them to Bible study. We just have to be intentional. We have to, we have to ask God to guide us in these relationships. We could look for resources. There's evangelism resources. We could talk to uh, Dr. Haas and, and other people in the church about, you know, what's going on in our lives so we could be more intentional with sharing Christ with others. Luke 18 and 19 show us that everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. They're rich and poor. Jesus can transform them. And in this scripture section, Christ shows us these fantastic principles. Be known for good works. Seek people who do not know Jesus. Share time with them and be intentional in those relationships. You know, obviously, these principles are for Christians. But if you're here and you're like Zacchaeus or that blind man, and you know about Jesus, you've heard about Jesus, you know there's something there, but you haven't chosen to accept him as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask you why. Why? Christ has given everything for us, for us to be redeemed and reconciled with him. So we should turn to Jesus and follow him. Or if you're here today and maybe you've fallen away, you're not walking in the Lord the way that you know that you should, I want to tell you today, Jesus is calling you back. He loves you. He loves you greatly. Turn to him and recommit your life to Christ. Jesus will transform us. He will transform us like he did for Zacchaeus, and the blind man when we come to him wholeheartedly. Follow Jesus. Make him first in your life because he is the only one that is worthy of praise. Please grow in grace by accepting God's grace and sharing it with others. Let's close in a word of prayer.